You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Alex Barallo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. This is your host, Alex Barallo, joined by my co-host, Dylan Terriman. Dylan, how are we doing tonight? Doing well. I mean, wish we could finally start talking about some wins here, but, you know, as they say, it is it is what it is, and we're here sitting at 3-10, and 10, eliminated from the playoffs officially, and maybe we can start turning to some draft talk. Yes, and a little nugget right there from, from Dylan. He's going to put together a little segment later on in the show, and, and we're going to get the conversation rolling because this is kind of what happens every year with the uh, you know, this Jets team, they uh, punch their ticket for, uh, you know, into vacation mode. There is no uh, uh, postseason for us, and, uh, you know, we should be used to this by now. But, uh, you know, before we got live on the air, Dylan, you were, uh, you and I were just sharing uh, a little bit of uh, stories, and, and you had to uh, the opportunity to go to the game this weekend, and, and you got to stay at one of the suites, and, um, you know, pretty interesting to hear your experience. Unfortunately, you couldn't get the Jets win to go with it, but it's always nice to, uh, you know, treat yourself and, and go to, um, you know, live the high life, per se. And, uh, you know, everyone's got to experience something like that, um, even though, you know, the Jets uh, attempted to, uh, you know, poo-poo the Sunday. Um, but at least, you know, you had a good time and a good experience, um, you know, seeing some new things. And, you know, it's going to be uh, a tough four weeks. Uh, that we've got ahead of ourselves here. Um, you know, we've got a month left for these Jets, and uh, right now I'd say that things are not looking up and up. Um, a lot of struggles going on with the team, and, and uh, you know, we're going to jump into that tonight. We're going to, um, you know, break it all down, do a little bit of a uh, recap on the Miami game, um, excuse me, the Saints game. We're going to do a preview for the Miami game, and we're also going to be joined uh, by a special guest, um, our very own Green Bean is going to be coming on to the pod soon. Um, should be calling in uh, relatively soon, and we'll get him on. And we're going to partake in a little roundtable discussion, um, you know, how we feel about the team. You know, we're going to go over the game from this Sunday. And then we've got a couple of hot topics that we're also going to uh, get into as well. But uh, before Green Bean comes on, Dylan, let's uh, let's go ahead and um, let's review some of this stuff that um, we just jotted down from the transactions and injuries and things like that. Um, man, oh man, I, I have like two pages worth of updates here on injury news and, and different things like that. So uh, right now, the good news is is we're going to be getting both Michael Carter's back. Um, Kevin, uh, Trayvon Wesco uh, is looking questionable. Kevin Coleman is questionable. He's possibly coming back for this game. Um, big bad news, Elijah Moore is on the injury reserve. We won't be seeing him for the rest of the season. Really, really unfortunate there. Uh, looks like Tyler Croft is going to be coming back. And uh, Quinn and Williams, apparently his shoulder situation is not as bad as perceived. 
and uh, he had mentioned that the Jets uh, training staff has a plan for him, so he's going to try to grid it out for the rest of the season. That's really great. Um, hopefully he doesn't have any setbacks because, um, you know, we are in a losing season, so I don't know if we really want to push one of our best players, but he wants to finish out the season, so we tip our cap to him. Some alarming news. Uh, looks like Justin Hardy is on the COVID-19 list. And, uh, Dylan, did I miss anybody there as far as the transactions? Is there anybody else that we I think should mention? Bryce Huff was among those expected to ah, return to practice this week with the chance to play. And I believe Salah held out some hope that Elijah Moore will return for the last game or two of the season. But as we've seen throughout the year with Salah, he'll say something is day-to-day for three weeks, and then a player will end up on injured reserve. So that's kind of a wait and see right. with, you know, fingers crossed that he will come back. Right, right. I, I did miss, misspeak there. Um, I do believe that they have hope that maybe he can – playing the last two games of the season. So you're spot on there, Dylan. I'm looking at the uh, phone lines here. It looks like we have a caller. This could possibly be our green bean. So let's see if this is him. Caller, you're live on Jet Nation Radio. Well, hello, guys. How are you? The man of the hour, green bean. What's happening, bud? You're joined with me and Dylan (laughs) here. How's it going, my man? Oh, it's going great, man. I've been looking forward to getting an opportunity to talk with you guys uh, for a while since last time, and this is great. I'm just excited to be here, and uh, hopefully we can focus on some of that good news I just heard you guys talking about instead of uh, what we actually do on the field lately. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, if you guys aren't aware, um, Green Bean is one of our Jet Nation members. He does a lot of great stuff on the YouTube scene. Um, he gets some things going on his Instagram page as well. So everybody, please, you know, if you haven't, um, you know, started viewing his content, you have to get involved. Um, really, really great stuff. And he collaborates with some of the best guys on YouTube. Um, I think you're going to be doing a show later tonight. Am, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Actually, right after this, we have the the Talking Jets panel with Matt O'Leary and Ryan uh, over at Jets Talk 24-7's YouTube channel. That's from 8 to 10. And then after that, we have the After Hours Jets Fest from 10.30 to midnight on my channel, Green Bean Jets Fans. So it starts now, but I'll be talking Jets for the next uh, what will feel like 24 hours. That's what it's going to feel like to me, I think. Wow, if that isn't die hard, I don't know what is. And uh, <laughs> you know, from 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 all of us at Jet Nation, thank you for your for your service, sir. Um, yeah, <laughs> fellas, uh, there's been been a lot of discussion on all the plat- social media platforms and a lot of mixed opinions and everything like that. I want to jump right into the conversation tonight. And my first question that I want to ask both of you is how do you feel about the current state of this team as of week, we're approaching week 15 here. Uh, Dylan, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it your way. How do you feel about what's going on with the, with the current Jets right now? Um, yeah, it's definitely frustrating. As you mentioned, I got to go to the game. I got to sit in a suite. So if anybody ever does get that experience or that chance to go, absolutely jump on it because, it was definitely an experience like no other. It's not like sitting in the normal stands. And it, it was definitely, you know, something I'll remember forever. But 
yeah, the the play on the field needs to absolutely change. Zach Wilson was overthrowing people left and right, you know, short hopping balls. And that's not exactly what you want to see at the end of his rookie season. It was okay in the first few games when he was still learning the offense and, you know, getting his wings underneath him. But now that he's been experienced and playing in the system for at least, you know, eight to ten games now, it's it's about time that he – understands what's going on and plays to the right tempo of the offense. Defensively, you know, it's frustrating. They had a better game. It doesn't quite look like it when they put up 30 points and let up a 45-yard quarterback run at the end of the game. But they did play pretty well despite the the Saints, you know, just running it down their throat. They were only averaging about three yards per carry the whole game. So it was an upswing game for them. But overall, they have just been, you know, kind of dumpster fire-ish at different points, whether it's the D-line at some points or the secondary, you know, just slacking off. But it's not a great state of the franchise. But when you look at everything else, you know, you know, rookie head coach, rookie offensive play caller who hasn't been getting quite the credit he's been getting despite all the issues. He's really put together a great offense. We were the number one offense a month ago until Zach came back. So I think he's doing a good job. And everything else just needs to kind of fall into place. I'm not going to press the panic button and say coaches need to be fired because I really think there's a slim chance of that, even if, even if they lose their last four games, but it's just, it's something that needs to turn around fast. And I understand that uh, patience is wearing thin amongst Jets fans. I'm a fairly young Jets fan at 26, almost 27. So I understand that I haven't seen quite the frustration that, you guys have seen, but my expectations coming into this season were we should coach the senior bowl in 2022. Like we should be one of the bottom teams in the league. That's, you know, got a high draft pick, which we currently do. So I don't want to, you know, say like, this is exactly what I expected, but the record is something about what I expected coming down the stretch. Greenbead, your thoughts? You know, isn't that fun? I just loved uh, everything that Dylan said. And, and I want to say that, man. I, I just – I always uh, tend to appreciate your takes, uh, whether it's stat-based or whatever. But once again, uh, what you're talking about and what you closed with there, isn't it interesting uh, – I really didn't expect, legitimately – I had all kinds of fun hopes and this and that. But I, I expected somewhere around five, six wins – uh, maybe, you know, like that, that was what I was hoping for. And here we are at mm-hmm. three wins with four games left. And it's like, even though they're kind of in the pocket where I thought they probably would be, I'm still disappointed. And, and, and I think that really boils down to what Dylan started with, which was Zach, even though he's a rookie and even though I support him and I like his, his uh, his attitude, I like his work ethic, I like his talent, I like his upside, I like his hair, all those things that I like about Zach. I still can't believe that when he takes the field that he's throwing balls into the dirt and uh, just really having trouble with the easy stuff that LaFleur is doing a pretty good job opening up for him. And that, like, look, as much as I'm a constructive guy, I tend to lean homer at times. I get made fun of often. And uh, But even with that, it's like I, I look at him and I think, all right, man, come on now. Come on now. If Zach was just playing a little bit better, 
I, I would feel pretty okay with most of the things. I, I don't like, you know, some of the personnel decisions. I'm still a big MIMS supporter. I'm a LaMichael Pirine guy over especially guys like Ty Johnson and, and, and Austin Walter, for goodness sakes. Um, but, you know, some of that stuff aside, I think that we're watching a team that is packed full of people who've never done this before. And that goes from Sala to Ulbricht, you know, uh, to LaFleur, to Zach, to, and, and all through the team with our rookies and, and second-year guys. I mean, we're looking at a bunch of people that have just decided to get together and try to learn at the same time. And I think that that's what we're witnessing. That all said, uh, I I really do have hope that we're going to split these last two game uh, these last four games. I think we're we you know we have a good shot of beating Miami, and that's because we're getting a lot of the guys that we had a lot of hope for earlier back, and that includes Bryce Huff and um, and the Michael Carters. I mean, think about getting those guys back. These were the guys that we were kind of excited for, and uh, and I'm really happy to see them. So I'm still excited. I don't know how I pulled that off. I'm very disappointed. Uh, but I'm still very excited. I think that's some sort of uh, illness I might have, but there I am. <laughs> well, that's good. Keep that optimism. Uh, we, we need a little bit more of it. It's not easy. Uh, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat as you guys here. My expectations going into the season was very low. Um, not that I was down on the team. It's just I've been at this, you know, for quite some time, uh, being a fan of the Jets and, and you know, seeing – how things unravel with this team. And, you know, they've been doing a lot of, you know, hasteful decisions and just going out there and, you know, uh, kind of making last-minute moves. They they claim that they're patient with certain things and then they kind of find themselves in scenarios where they, they really just have to go out and grab whatever they can. I kind of feel that free agency has been that kind of way that they need to be a little bit more aggressive with certain things and, I'm hoping that moving forward that, you know, they, they learn from these, these uh, you know, their past history mistakes. You know, something that Salah had said, you know, we have to wipe our minds clean and move forward and get ready for the next, next game. Well, I kind of would like to wipe the memory clean on certain things. I'd like to retain some of uh, these memories and, and learn from them. Um, you know, try to pick up the pieces where they fall and, and, and find out why did, how did we get here, why did we get here, and, and where do we go now moving forward? Uh, you know, and, and that leads to my next question for both of you here, um, which is, you know, what is your trust so far in Sala and, and LaFleur? Uh, you know, I can say right now that this is quite disappointing as far as uh, the defense is concerned. I was anticipating a lot um, higher uh, level of play from the defense and more of a struggling offense like we've seen in the past, and it's kind of been up and down. Um, I think in the beginning of the season we were seeing some some good defensive things, and you know as certain players, you know we lost players here and there throughout you know the weeks, and you know you can clearly see that the guys that have come in to fill these giant you know voids that we have at safety and linebacker and you know at the edge position. Uh, really, really, um, you know, just crazy how things have unraveled um, the way that they have. You know, the Jets struggled run, um, against the run. Uh, you know, we were able to get to the quarterback a few times this, this week, but, you know, there are times in which, you know, our guys are not getting any push up front. So uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I haven't given up all faith in Robert Sala and uh, Mike LaFleur. 
but I think it's perfectly fine to question some of the things that they're doing, some of the game plans that they're doing. And, and I also have to realize that they're working with personnel, you know, that they weren't anticipating probably ever to see the field. Um, you know, there were times where I was looking at the field and saying, wow, DJ Montgomery, what number on the depth chart is that guy? Six, seven, who knows? You know, Ty Johnson and, and Walter, um, these guys were number four, number five running backs on the depth chart, practice squad guys, you know, in the starting lineup. It's kind of like your head does a little bit of a 360 there. How did we get here? But this is where we are, and um, I do understand it's a process. It's going to take a little bit more time to develop. Um, you know, Green Bean, as you had mentioned, I was anticipating a lot more P. Ryan. Over the last couple of weeks, you know, I think they were forced to play him um, this past week, and I was expecting big things from Denzel Mims. I don't know if it's ego or stubbornness coming from LaFleur, but it's pretty clear, um, and you know, that they're not a Mims fan. Um, that's the only perception that I can get from it. And, uh, you know, we know that he had those two bonehead penalties, but Salah says it wasn't disciplinary. You know, for him being benched, I, I just don't believe that. Yeah. Um, right. You know, it, the writing's on the wall here. So uh, go ahead, fellas. Why don't you guys, um, you know, Dylan, why don't you start and uh, just, you know, briefly uh, let us in the fans know, you know, do you still have trust in uh, in following the floor at this point? Yeah, I absolutely do have trust in them. Now, that doesn't mean to say that I think they're going to fulfill on their promise that they made day one in their introductory press conferences and lead us to multiple championships or what have you. But I think in terms of the rebuild process uh, compared to recent history, you can tell that this is a different approach. You can just tell with the, the organizational structure of Joe Douglas and Stala working together then reporting to Woody Johnson. And that's always been one of the things that I said should change in the structure of the Jets where the coach would report to Woody and then McCagnan would report to Woody and everything was always, you know, kind of one person was left in the dark in the discussion. So I have faith that they'll get it together as far as Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, as far as putting a team together. Uh, they were my coach one coming in like if I had to rank them during the the process of finding a head coach I put them at number one on my list obviously I had a fantasy number one of Bill Cower coming out of retirement to coach the Jets but that was far-fetched and I knew it so this is who, who I wanted the Jets to to hire and I think they got it right and Jets fans already forget that as soon as this hire was made they were crying that our offensive coordinator was going to get poached to be a head coach within a year or two. And Zach Wilson was going to have to learn a whole separate offense in his rookie contract. And, you know, all the things that come with that. And we've seen he's overcome adversity, but this isn't the expectation that Jets fans immediately put on them. And I think that's, that leads to some of this impatience that I was talking about earlier. But as far as trust, I have trust in all of them. I don't necessarily know too much about Ulbrich as far as what he can do long-term. I think eventually, you know, Salo might have to take over some of the responsibilities in the defensive room. And I think Brent Boyer has done a decent job with what he's had to work with. I think they should have stuck with Amendola a little bit longer than they did. We were so close to the end of the season. Why make the change now? But it is what it is. But I think most of the coaches, I, obviously I think their jobs are safe for 2022. And I think they should be. I think Jets fans should 
pump the brakes on expecting playoffs this year, obviously. But, you know, even next year, we see what we have to work with, and it's going to be a slow rebuild. But we have the right tools and and what I think are the right coaches in place to turn this around the right way. How about you, Greenbean? Well, yeah, man. I think that was uh, was well said. It's it's interesting, you know. Jets fans are we're a funny bunch. I mean, I think it's it's both of it's both our positive and our negative that we're just so incredibly intense, you know. Um, and we, look, a lot of us are older, you know. We've been watching losing football for the lion's share of our fandom here, and it and it does get tough. It's like you know, you start hearing things like, "When, man? When is it going to happen?" Now we have these these young coaches. We've chosen to go with our, I believe it's our ninth rookie head coach. This is something that the Jets tend to do, whether it's Walt Michaels, Joe Walton, and on and on and on, all the way up through uh, till now. We seem to lean on guys that have never done this before and then expect immediate results. I mean, my number one coaching candidate was uh, Mike Campbell, or I'm sorry, Matt Campbell. I mean, from Iowa State. And I liked Fitzgerald from Northwestern. I wanted a guy who had done it, you know, specifically for these reasons. Even if it was college, I wanted somebody who was just used to being in that position. Now, once we chose Sala, I, which who, who was one of the better candidates of the guys we interviewed, uh, I was like, okay, well, now we have, to, we have to give him a second here because he's never done this. And this is New York. This is the Jets. You know, it's not like other places. Whatever you did in San Francisco, it's just not going to work here. You have to... You have to apply overkill. We get more injuries. We have more bad luck. We, we don't get the calls. All those types of things go against you here, and you need to bring that Rex Ryan kind of attitude, even if it's not that, you know, it doesn't look like Rex Ryan, that, that kind of ball to the wall, um, you know, 100 miles an hour type of attitude, that's what it takes here. It's just, it's just the truth of it. Even Parcells, the guys who are successful here tend to be on the intense side of things. Herm even had that, and he was successful as well. So do I have faith in these guys? Yeah, I have faith in them. But um, Ulbricht is the one who's, who's a little bit shaky for me. I just I, His resume isn't all that extensive, filled with success. Uh, and he's Salah's best buddy uh, for many years. So him and, uh, and that's how LaFleur got the job too. So there are concerns there. That all said, I like some of the things I see. I don't like other things, but I can chalk it down to they're going to learn. And they're choosing to learn the hard way. They've taken the long road. They didn't go out there and sign a vet quarterback and a bunch of high-priced free agents like Galladay and, and do it that way. They went and they said, you know what, we're going to get rid of all of our guys that even have the potential to be, uh, you know, core players like Jamal Adams and whoever, you know, Leo Williams and all that. And they've decided to go the long way and just, uh, you know, build through the draft. And that's what I've been hoping to see for a long time. And because it's finally happening, I think I have a little bit more faith than some. But I, I want to say this, too. I think, you know, Joe Douglas has been taking a, an interesting route in free agency with a lot of one-year contracts. And, and the way mm-hmm. that I look at that is he told us in his first press conference, I'm going to build through the draft. But you can only get so many picks in the draft each year. And a lot of them don't even play the late-round picks. So he's gotten free agents just to kind of fill the positions, um, you know, while he's building through the draft. Now that we have our quarterback, we have our running back, we have a couple of receivers uh, in, uh, you know, obviously Elijah Moore, and we have some players that are worth building around. I think that Joe Douglas is going to utilize his cap money a little bit differently this year in some longer-term contracts, maybe an extra, 
little bit for a guy that is a little bit more competition for out there in the free agent market. And, uh, and that's, a, that's a little bit exciting. I think we're there. I think, okay, we, it'll be the second year with the coach, second year with the quarterback. It's time to use the money on, on guys that are going to be here for a minute. And, uh, and, and I look forward to that. I, I, I really do expect that. And uh, once that starts happening, guys are going to be here for another year, and that's when things should start to settle. And, uh, and I think it's going to be okay, man. This is a rough year. It is because people had expectations. You know, guys, people were telling me they fully expected Zach Wilson to have 4,500 yards this year. I, I, I never I, – I don't know where that came from, man. We've had well, one guy right. who's had 4,000. It's funny. It really is. You know, it's like, look, I, I get it. If that's what you were thinking, then this is an absolute train wreck. If you're talking about it like we're talking about it, and we expected maybe six, it's a little disappointing, but it's, it's still right there when you consider the injuries. But if, you're, you know, if you were expecting playoffs, then this is, this is devastating to you, and that I can understand, I think. But I'm not there. I have, I have faith we're going to turn it around. Good stuff. Great points across the board there, fellas. All right, so um, unfortunately, uh, you know, part of the show here is we have to drag ourselves through the mud, and uh, we're going to do a little recap here on the uh, Saints game, and just, uh, you know, we'll each, you know, have our opportunities to, you know, sh- you know, shoot it straight, how we saw it, you know, things that, you know, we like, things that we didn't like, things that we feel that need to be improved moving forward. Uh, so I'll start it off here. The Jets lose 30-9, to and it was quite an interesting game. You know, the Jets were were in arm's reach for all the way up until the fourth quarter, um, only being down by, I think, uh, I think it was 13-6 to going into the fourth quarter. So we were down by a touchdown. You know, one series is what we really needed to turn things around, and it seems like we kept tripping over our own feet, and, you know, if it wasn't, you know, bad placement from Zach Wilson, and, and, you know, his stat showed that 19 for 42 on the day, um, a lot of drop passes, you know, Ty Johnson probably, you know, gets, is probably the most talked about out of everybody, you know, labeled for three, I'm not sure, you know, two of those catches for sure, one of them I kind of felt were, was behind him on his back hip as he was coming across the middle, so very, very difficult pass to catch, but nonetheless, Ty Johnson did not do himself any justice, and then there was numerous other guys that also dropped some passes. Uh, that, to me, is what was the, the strangest thing, seeing what looked like a young quarterback in Zach Wilson developing and progressing in that Philadelphia game, at least for you know a few quarters in that game, uh, and then kind of going backwards and flipping the script and looking more like the guy that we saw in the, in the, in the first month or two of the season – and, uh, you know, the offensive line was up and down. Uh, they let up three sacks. But there were times in which, you know, he had a good pocket to work within. And uh, it just kind of seemed that, you know, maybe his mind was, you know, uh, a, a little erratic and he was having a hard time making decisions. He seemed hesitant. Um, we saw some uh, play where he didn't grip the ball well and it kind of slipped out of his hands. Um, you know, a lot of uh, – you know, rookie tendencies, I guess you can chalk that up to. And, uh, you know, one thing that I've continued to see with these losses, and, you know, this is what really, really is alarming to me, is the Jets weren't 
um, in a situation to where they were down by two or three scores, um, you know, at any, any given point in time. And uh, they just negated the run yet again. Um, with our running backs here, it was only LaMichael P. Ryan and Ty Johnson with 13 carries on the day. That is just not going to cut it. And you could see that New Orleans had a quarterback with a bum finger that only completed one pass that was at, at 10 yards. That was his longest pass of the day. We could see that, you know, he was kind of wiggling his hand and he was having a hard time holding that football, and, and the Jets could not capitalize on this. They ran the ball 44 times against us for 203 yards and three scores. Completely different Jeez. blueprint that was put together by the Saints compared to the Jets. So, you know, the Jets really, really need to start learning from, you know, how other teams figure out ways to win games when, you know, there's there was injuries, there's COVID. I mean, there was a lot of things going on with the Saints side as well. And uh, Jets could not capitalize on this. And the Saints were coming in with a five-game losing streak but, you know, the generous Jets, you know, gave them, gave, threw them a bone there. Um, really, really crazy stuff. You know, the only thing that I could say is probably the improvement from this game is maybe we found a kicker in uh, Pinheiro, who was three for three on the day. Uh, you know, special teams is probably, out of all three phases, was the best. Uh, Berrios looked pretty good in the return game. I know his numbers are pretty good, and he's one of the top guys in the NFL in the return game, so he's trying to get himself to the first Pro Bowl. If you want to, you know, go vote for uh, Braxton Berrios and, and help him fulfill his dream. And then lastly, Braden Mann, I think he hit a moon rock for about 60 yards in that game. We haven't really seen much from him, uh, but good to see that, you know, he's back to full strength. Uh, Dylan, I'm going to throw the ball to your court. Uh, you know, how did you perceive this game being that you were in the element? Yeah, um, like you said, it was definitely a regression compared to the Philadelphia game last week for Zach Wilson. It was his first game under 50% completion percentage. It was 45.2. An analytics site I follow um, takes away spikes and throwaways, and they had him at 47.5 with an expected completion percentage of 68.5. That's a negative 21% completion percentage over expected, which not only was dead last for his whole season, but it was dead last in the entire NFL last week. So I just tweeted it out, a picture of the efficiency chart of quarterbacks this week. You can go check it out at D. Terriman. I sent it in our group chat as well, and Zach Wilson is by far the least efficient passer on the season when it comes to completion percentage over expected and expected points added. I know that's a lot of analytic terms there, but um, he did have a lot of overthrows and and short hop throws like we talked about. Um, The receivers didn't help him out with the drops. Ty Johnson having three himself. I think there were six or seven total in the game, which even if you take all those throws out completely, it was still a 55% completion percentage day for him. Denzel Mims, one target, two penalties, only 22 snaps, one snap in the second half, according to Rich Samini. You mentioned it, Salah didn't bench him for disciplinary reasons, but that's kind of some BS. Um, it cost the Jets. They had a chance to go down for seven, and it turned into a long field goal attempt at the end of the half, converted by Pinheiro, like you said, three for three. 
Berrios was our leading receiver, which isn't surprising given, given all the uh, targets that were down <clears throat> for Zach Wilson, his favorite being uh, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. So Berrios had six for 52. Montgomery had three for 36, elevated off the playing 39 snaps, which was quite a lot for him. Run game, sad, 17 for 78. They had a good average, but like I said, Zach Wilson being the leading rusher with 33 yards is not going to get it done. 0 for 3 in the red zone, 3 for 14 on third down. And I went back to when Zach came back on onto the field against Houston and went the last three games and saw their third down percentage. And I, I didn't check their rank in the league, but it's got to be 30th to 32nd because against Houston, they were 2 for 13 on third down. Against Philadelphia, they were 3 for 9 on third down. And this past Sunday, 3 for 14 on third down. That's a combined eight for 36 on third down the last three weeks, which includes a win. So 22% is not going to get it done by any stretch. Rob Sala went into a lot of things about Zach Wilson's play. The three things he said he needs to work on are his tempo, which is his footwork coming in and out of his drops, his eyes, which are working through progressions and reading one, two, three in the offense and overanalyzing what he's seeing and he said that's easy to do when you're trying to determine a lot of things as far as coverage pre-snap indicators and it's understandable given that he's a rookie but like I said after 10 games in the NFL you should be able to run your offense at some sort of efficiency Mike White has almost a thousand yards in this offense and Josh Johnson and Joe Flacco threw 300 plus yards in limited action so it's it's not hard to generate yards in this offense he's just not doing it And then on the defense, 203 yards rushing, three touchdowns. Obviously, the big one was the Taysom Hill touchdown, which even if you take out those numbers are still bad. I thought Rankins played good against his former team. I thought Eccles looked solid uh, tackling early on. I think it was a screen or a swing pass to Kamara that he, you know, flipped in between the offensive linemen and made a real nice wrap tackle on him. And then, you know, the two touchdowns, the Kamara touchdown and the Taysom Hill touchdown were pretty bad. They left Bryce Hall one-on-one to block Alvin, and he just whiffed, and Kamara basically walked in. And the Taysom Hill, that was just kind of a lack of effort, mail-it-in type of game. And that's really how it felt sitting up in the stands was that they were just mailing it in. And, you know, whether they're thinking about Christmas or, you know, the end of the season where they're going to go on vacation, it just – it didn't seem like they were all that like all ready to play. So it's definitely unfortunate. Special teams, you know, looked good, you know, for having a new kicker, third kicker in three weeks. Brayden Mann did have a moonshot. So, you know, you like to see that consistency there. But unfortunately, just a game where you sat with your head in your hands and you thought, why can't we just complete the simple things of the offense and make it go? Good takes, good takes there. Green Bean, um, give us, you know, your, your, uh, you know, what you saw and, and, and how you felt about the game and, you know, where did the Jets go wrong? Well, can I just say, how great is Dylan, man? I, I'm telling you, I find you to be the most <laughs> enthralling. Kids are with I'm, I'm not even kidding. He's, he's like, I love to listen to him. Uh, I almost forgot I was on the show for a second there. Um, Thank yeah, you. So, <laughs> yeah, so, look – I have a real problem, and and look, but let me just by saying I'm chalking all this down to them learning, all right, and that includes the coaches, that includes everybody on the field and all, so that's what we're seeing, but 
I have to say the plan to beat the Saints for me with Zach Wilson at quarterback cannot contain Zach Wilson dropping back 42 times. It just doesn't make mm-hmm. sense, especially when we're only running it 13 times and we've had a lopsided uh, you know, time of possession situation. So basically what we're looking at is every opportunity that we had at, you know, on the offense, we're giving it to Zach Wilson, who is clearly struggling, as if we're trying to force a square peg in a round hole and say, like, will him to succeeding when I think the exact opposite should be taking place. And again, LaFleur has proven to me that he's at least serviceable. He at least knows what he's doing, evidenced by what Dylan just brought up. And, you know, Mike White, who's not a world beater, let's just be clear here. He's, you know, we're not talking about Joe Montana. Mm-hmm. He has over 1,000 yards in the offense in a, in a handful of games. Uh, Josh Johnson came in through for 317. Uh, Joe Flacco comes in, throws for, uh, you know, two picks under three bills. And Zach Wilson is struggling. So when you see that and you have a guy like LaMichael Pirine, who, like you said earlier, Alex, they don't like him. I, I don't know what it is. They don't like this guy. But he comes out and he rushes for four yards, uh, you know, four-yard average, which is what Pirine is. He's a four- to five-yard average guy. He rarely breaks a big one, but he knows how to get yards. He's, he's exceptional in pass protection, and he's got incredibly soft hands. So they didn't throw P. Ryan the ball once. They threw it seven times to Dropsy McGovern, or, or whatever his name is, uh, Ty Johnson, Dropsy over there. And, uh, and you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't really understand certain aspects of what they're doing, and I think that's where a lot of our pain comes from. When you see a guy struggling, like Ty Johnson, whatever it is, he drops three passes that kill three drives. Why are we throwing him the ball more, like four more times, seven times total, mm-hmm. and Piran gets none? And he's known as he's got good hands, and he's, he's good in the pass game as far as protection. He can be somebody out there. He's incredibly versatile, albeit not sensational. Ty Montgomery does – I'm sorry, Ty Johnson does have a little bit more – to offer as far as electric running and all that, but he's, he's feast or famine, man. And clearly this was a famine day. So you take him out. So I struggle with that stuff. And like what we're saying with Mims, look again, they don't like Mims. I don't know what it is. They don't like him. And when you have a guy that comes in for two plays, it's obviously high pressure. He's trying to, you know, he's trying too hard. He gets penalties. Keep him in the game. You think anything is getting accomplished by putting DJ Montgomery out there? Just keep him out there. Let him work through his mistakes. He's six foot three. Zach Wilson can absolutely utilize a guy that knows how to catch passes that are, are thrown, you know, four feet too high. Denzel Mims knows how to do that. Let him work through his mistakes. But every time he makes a mistake, they pull him. They give him a handful of little you know, a play here or there, three plays, he makes a mistake, and he sits on the bench the rest of the game, and it's really disheartening. And this is the stuff, again, when I say I, I trust the staff and all that, it doesn't mean I like everything they're doing. And I think this game can really be encapsulated, can be summed up by what the announcer said. Now, Dylan, you were there at the game, so maybe you didn't hear this, but there was a point when the announcer said, this is an interesting situation. The Jets are down one score, but it feels like the game is over. And the other guy goes, it does. It really does. And that's mm. like, it felt dead. It was like we are down one score for most of, right? It's incredible. And that's because I, I feel like we're not, 
we're not really handling the Zach Wilson issues properly. And that, to me, is really an indicator of coaches that don't necessarily know how to do it yet. We have rookie guys trying to develop a rookie guy, and nobody's ever developed a rookie guy before. So I think, you know, look, Zach's got the, he's got the work ethic, he's got the smarts, he's got the arm talent. And, uh, and LaFleur, like I said, has proven to me that he can devise an offense. So it's just not for this kid who's struggling just yet. And this is where we're going to have to watch more of this, and hopefully they'll turn it around. But this was an ugly one. I really thought numerous times in this game, we can beat this team. We can beat this team. And unfortunately, we just didn't. And the score isn't really what it is. I mean, that's a, that's a garbage score. Um, we were down, what, six minutes left. We were still down 10 points. And that's, uh, it just got blown wide open yeah. because the defense was tired. You know, they, they were done. They, you know, they were done. So anyway, I'm I think glad. Uh, it was an ugly one. This was a frustrating one, guys. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Absolutely. the commentators. I'm glad you mentioned the commentators because I looked at my friend when it was 13 to six, and the Saints kicked the field goal to go up 16 to six. And I said, "Hey, there's only like 11, 12 minutes left in this game. But depending on what the offense does right here, we can leave after this next drive." And Zach Wilson got sacked on you know, our own 15-yard line on second and or third down. And I looked at him, I was like, hey, man, we can beat the traffic. We can get out of here. So I left, and it was 16-6, to six, but you're absolutely right. It did not feel like that whatsoever. It felt like a 31-7 to seven type of game. <laughs> it really did. It was the worst. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I even, like, went – I don't know. Maybe I had a mental lapse, maybe a few too, P, too many PBRs on Sunday, but um... – you know, when I went back and I looked at the board, I said, wow, they dropped 30 on us? And I just completely forgot that uh, the, the defense laid down in the, on that last play of the game or one, the last uh, Saints series. Um, and, yeah, he just ran for 45 yards. And to see Ashton Davis get beat in a foot race by a quarterback. Um, now, like I said this last week, you know, Taysom Hill is more than a quarterback. I mean, he can play receiver. He can play tight end, fullback, running back. He's just an all-around footballer you know and uh yeah. it's just amazing you know to see the effort or lack thereof um in that particular play and you know fortunately um we don't have to uh you know worry about Taysom Hill uh you know giving us nightmares anymore at least for not quite some time uh and uh you know Jets find find a way to lose in ugly style late in the game and, uh, you know, hopefully they're going to be able to find a way to build off of this and, and learn from their mistakes and, and try to do something because we've got four more games left on the schedule. Uh, looking at, at right now, we have Miami coming up, and then we've got Jacksonville, Tampa, and Buffalo. Uh, probably two really, really tough teams to the end of the season. But at least one of these next two games we're hoping is winnable. Um, if they continue to play the way that they did last week, um, probably going to go over four down the stretch here. But if they can find a way to go one and three, two and two, you know, that gives us a little bit of, of hope. And, um, you know, speaking of looking down the line, I want to get into the hot topic segment of, of the evening. Cause I know green bean, um, we probably got you for about another 10 minutes or so. Cause you got to prepare for your next show. Um, I want to briefly just talk about the play of George Fant, which has been exceptional, and a player that he's been filling in for that's going to be coming back relatively soon, Makai Becton. Now, 
what do we do here? And obviously, you know, we're talking hypothetically, we have no influence with the team, but if you're Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, Michael Floor, and you're sitting at the table here and you have a player that is the size of a mountain and according to Rich Semenia, weighing in about 370 pounds right now in Makai Becton, do you mix up the offensive line and shuffle the deck here and move George in or out of the lineup or move him over and bench Moses? What do we do with George Fan and, you know, how would you guys, you know, look at this scenario here? Because it is, you know, a difficult decision that has to be made. And we have a franchise quarterback that needs to be protected here. Um, so how do you guys feel about George Fan's play? And do you think it's going to be beneficial moving Makai Becton back into this lineup? Uh, Dylan, why don't you start? I don't think necessarily it would be beneficial. I think George Fant, he played serviceable last year when you go back and look at what he put on, on tape under Adam Gase. And this year, in a new scheme under John Benton, he's definitely showed that he is a starter in some capacity in this league, whether it's left tackle or right tackle. I know he's played a lot better at left tackle than he did right tackle this season specifically. But I think you have to keep him in the fold no matter what. Obviously, Mekhi Becton has more talent, more upside. He has more things to figure out as far as health-wise and getting back into the lineup and solidifying a role that makes you know Jets fans not look at the draft and want to select a tackle again in the top ten. But I think George Fant has proved that he could be the left tackle next year and Mekhi Becton would have to either take his spot or slide over to right tackle as a possible option. I know he did it in Louisville, so it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to play that way. And it's just there's too many factors with Mekhi that if if all three are healthy, I'm talking Fant, Moses, and Becton, if all three are healthy, they're probably top, you know, top five tackle group in the whole league. Obviously, you can only play two at a time, and the Jets are going to have to, you know, pick and choose who those best two are. And right now, Makai Becton, with those reports from Samini that you just said, I don't think there's even a point to bring him back this season. He's not going to be in playing shape at that rate unless he goes into some, like, extreme workout mode and loses about 15 pounds down to 355 to be able to play. And even so, how effective would he be? So I think you got to shut down Becton for the rest of the season. Fant has been much better than he was last year as far as protecting the passer. I know, you know, it didn't look that great against New Orleans, but they have another good test coming up against Miami. And I think if he proves down the stretch that, He's not a liability, which coming into the offseason, we were saying, hey, should we keep the cap savings on Fant that were around $9 million? They can still do the same this year if Fant or if Becton comes back healthy and proves that it's his job. So, you know, it's, it's a piece, a trade piece potentially, even if they go into the season with all three of them and they're all healthy, all playing well, you could potentially deal Fant. So, I think you have to keep him and, for right now, keep starting him probably through the rest of this season. Greenbead, your thoughts on the fan backing situation? Nope. Did we lose him? Not sure. 
Okay. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, look, sorry. I was oh. I was chatting away with my mute on. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> no worry. No worries so, at all. Yeah. I so I wanted to say um, number one uh, again. I want to compliment Dylan. I I just uh, I, I you know my 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 thoughts are very very similar. But I do I go back and forth with this one because I really do like Beckton. I love them coming out. I love the the aggressive kind of risky approach of taking him over a guy like Wirfs, who was the safer pick. We all knew that. And so I'm really rooting for Becton to be what he uh, can be. That all said, my whole thing with Becton is if he can't come back with four games left, like once it got past that eight-game thing and we were just looking at this, you know, everlasting injury – you know, if he can come back with four games, I was in. But once we start getting, like, so he's not coming back this week, but now we got three games and two games. What is the purpose? You know, what are we, what are we trying to do here? And I think I agree with what Dylan just said, which is, you know, look, Fant is playing great. And, look, let's not overlook the importance of what this position is. This isn't a wide receiver running around out there. This is a guy protecting our most valuable asset, no matter how he's playing. Zach Wilson is our most valuable asset. We need to at least keep him standing. That's what we have to do. And Fant, above everybody else on our team, really almost above everybody else in the NFL, has done a good job of doing that. So I find it difficult to pull Fant or even move Fant um, to, you know, a, 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 you know, the side of the line, which is another position uh, that he hasn't played uh, all year, even though he did a good job last year. But I, I will say this is one of, if not the finest jo, jo, you know, Joe Douglas free agent find. A lot of people complained and or laughed when this was our signing after, you know, quote, losing out on, on Conklin in the free agent market. Everybody thought this mm-hmm. was, a you know, uh, so uh, it, it mm-hmm. obviously is not that. Joe Douglas did his own little scouting with him and his team, and they liked Fant. They paid him like a tackle a starting tackle, and, and, and here he is, one of the better starting left tackles in the NFL. So, again, I just think I love Becton, but I, I'm not – if he can't come back for the last quarter of the season, I'm not, I'm not taking him out now. Uh, I mean, I'm taking Fant out now to stick Becton in there. I just think, hey, this season's a wash. And uh, heal up, uh, work out, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, I absolutely agree there. Um, we've seen, you know, what can happen when you have poor offensive play and, you know, now certain guys are, are playing a little bit better. At least our bookends are, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker has been pretty solid. You know, McGovern, I think, is up and down, mainly up from what I see. And it's really been that right guard position that has been inconsistent, um, you know. And we, uh, you know, the the guy that we just brought in, um Help me out here, guys. Tardis. Um, yeah, we'll call him L- LDT. Yeah, LDT. Doc, Dr. Blocker. It's, it's, that's <laughs> it. So we got LTD and GVR. We got all these, like, acronyms we're throwing out there at right guard. <laughs> uh, you know, that's definitely, I think, something that the Jets need to pencil in as a high priority for next year um, to build some more consistency. And, you know, mixing up the lineup or the offensive line at this point, uh, you know, could be detrimental not only for the chemistry, but it could also, you know, put our guy, Zach Wilson, under duress, and that's the last thing that we need. He's going through enough rookie struggles as is. The last thing that we need to do is, uh, you know, reduce his confidence even further. Okay, so, um, yep, just saw your message there. 
Um, Dylan and we got about we're just under ten minutes here. Greenbean, I don't know how much more time uh, we have uh, with you tonight. Um, but yeah, Dylan, if you want to do a little Miami talk before Green Bean goes, I think that's a good idea. And sure. um, we and then we can uh, after uh, Green Bean signs off, we'll go into your Dylan's top eight draft watch. So we got a little draft talk that's going to be going down later tonight Ooh, in the show. Wish- Dylan's going to get it going by putting out some nuggets. So uh, it seems early, but you know we were going to get to this point eventually, right? Um, so, fellas, how do we feel about the Miami game? You know, we just played them a few weeks ago. Uh, we lost 24 uh, to 17. And Miami's been kind of running hot as of late. Um, they've been playing much better football. Um, I think at the moment they're on a four or five game winning streak right now, um, which is a little crazy. So we're we're going up against a hot Miami team. Uh, you know, the last time that we played them, we seemed a little bit more balanced. Uh, Greenbean, why don't you go ahead since, um, you know, your time's limited, and, and how do you feel about this upcoming matchup for this weekend? Uh, well, let's see. Last game, I, I really thought we had a chance to win that one, and uh, it was, it was dis- that was one of the more disappointing games for me. Uh, but this week, the Dolphins are kind of hit with a lot of uh, injuries, and, and I think I read that there's some COVID running through the joint. Uh, so we might mm-hmm. uh, look. I never root for injuries, but uh, if they're there, I can totally appreciate them when they happen. Uh, so that might help us out. And I think, look, it, I look the last two weeks going into the Saints game, Zach Wilson played, uh, you know, six quarters of the best football that he played all year, and then he had a clunker in in the Saints game. I think that we can learn from this, and if we come out and Zach plays like he did uh, the week prior. I think we got a real shot of, of beating Miami. It's a division rival and all that sort of stuff. It would make me so happy to go into their house and beat them. I'm, I'm actually going to be in the area. I had tickets to the game, but I've decided not to go. Uh, and uh, it just boils down to I don't want to. I mean, that's what it is. I just don't want to go. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, so I think that well, – let me say this. I think we're going to win, dude. And this is where I get laughed at. You guys are seeing it now. Here we go. Uh, I think we're going to go into Miami, and Zach's going to play really well, and we're going to win this game because of the likes of Michael Carter, the likes of Michael Carter II, the likes of Bryce Huff. I think getting this influx of of really young talent, and even Tyler Croft, I think he's questionable, but he looks like he might play – I think that influx of those guys is going to be a boost, and we're going to see just much, just how much we've been missing them, and that's going to that's going to push us over the top, and we're going to beat them uh, in their own house. That's how I see it, fellas. Awesome, awesome stuff here, Green Bean. I want to thank you very much um, for coming on here. Looking at the clock here, seven twenty-five. Um, man, oh man, this was this has been a lot of fun. You know bringing you into the podcast, having a little round table discussion here. I think it always works well getting, you know, a few opinions out there because um, everybody here brings, you know, good stuff to the table. Um, so, you know, I'm going to give you the opportunity to let our listeners know where they can find you. Uh, I know you got a lot of stuff going on with YouTube and you got some Instagram things going on here. So well, uh, just briefly uh, tell our listeners, uh, where where you're at and, and how they can follow you and, and what you got brewing, brother. 
Yeah, right on. And, and thanks for having me, man. I mean, I, I sincerely enjoy uh, being with you guys and, and having this time. It went, it flew by for me. I can't believe that it's, it it's already been an hour. It, it, it really did. So uh, I make a weekly video for Jet Nation. Um, it's usually released around Thursday or Friday, and that's on our YouTube page right on Jet Nation's YouTube. And I also do a live stream watch party live reaction for each game uh, on Jet Nation's YouTube page as well. So if you go over to Jet Nation's YouTube and subscribe there and hit the little bell, you'll be reminded whenever we go live or the videos are released there. And like I said, I, I do two a week for Jet Nation. You can also find me on my own channel, Green Bean Jet Fan, on YouTube. And I have two live streams and myriad videos. I mean, sometimes it's five videos, sometimes it's two. Um, but I'm always releasing new content there. And then you can follow me on my Instagram, Green Bean the Jets Fan, and Twitter, Green Bean the Jets Fan. So I'd love to have you jump in and, and rough it up with me over there. Anybody who's interested, I'm always into chatting with you guys. That sounds like a lot of fun. I think I might have to take you up on that offer sometime because I get to see <laughs> some of the stuff you're doing on the YouTube side, and it looks like a lot of fun. And, and Matt, um, is it O'Leary um, is the guy that I, yeah. I see you connecting with quite often? Yeah, I love the takes and, and the stuff that they, those guys have going on. They get good uh, guests to come in on the show as well, so that's always a lot of fun. So everybody, uh, don't hesitate. Go follow Green Bean. Get involved. He's putting out great content. And um, it's also fun watching your road trips and, and your roller coaster uh, tour that you did. And, you know, um, how oh, many did I'm you get on, um, on that tour? You're still doing it. And, I'm, uh, how I'm much still more? doing it, yeah. We're in Orlando okay. How now, many have you gone on? Just, okay. I'm sorry. I keep cutting you off there. Um, but, yeah, yeah go, we go made it on just over, just over 200. Wait a minute. Sorry. Yeah, okay. I'm not on mute. I thought I was on mute. So, yeah, we made it over uh, 200 coasters so far. We're in Orlando. We just hit the new Coaster at Universal Islands of Adventure. We hit SeaWorld the day before, and we're heading down. To, we're going to head into Texas after the holidays and go to Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, and SeaWorld San Antonio. But then we're heading to California. So, yeah, man, I forgot about that one. You can find me and, and, and all that stuff on YouTube as well at full-time coaster tour. I'm actually editing my Cedar point video, uh, right before I was on. So I'll, I'll, I'll be done with that probably tomorrow. And yeah, man, that's wow. a, that's a blast, dude. Just driving around, taking my kids on every coaster in the country. I only have 500 more guys. That's all I got to do. Holy smokes. That's oh my. awesome, man. <laughs> that's only 500. That's great, man. Well, I hope you get it. And I, I'm reading about you in a Guinness world book of records one day on, on yeah. you know, <laughs> Someone that's been on the most roller coasters in the world. Green Bean, this has been fun. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it, man. And and go get ready for your, your next shows and um, maybe get a get a Red Bull or coffee. Um, keep that energy yeah. rolling. <laughs> right. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I love being here, and I appreciate it. You guys have a good night. You too. All right, brother. Go Take Jeff. care. All right. Bye. All right, Dylan. That was a good segment there, and uh, we're going to continue because we've got some topics left on the board here tonight that we need to get into, and uh, that was great, you know, uh, mixing it up with Green Bean there. Always got a lot of good stuff going on. Um, so, Dylan, I did write down one of the hot topics about C.J. Mosley. Um, I don't know if you want to dig into that, or, or I know your answer here. Do you want to get into this top eight draft watch? 
Yeah, I mean, we could jump right into the draft stuff. You know me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know you've been, you know, chomping at the bit to go do this one. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, what is it? It's December 14th, week 15, and get ready because uh, we're about to do have a little draft segment here to mix it up in the show. So, Dylan, um, the mic is yours. Awesome. So, Currently, as everybody that has been following the Jets knows, they have two first-round draft picks. Their current selection is fourth overall, and then they also own Seattle's pick, which is seventh overall. They've been winning a few games as of late. So they still have two picks inside the top ten. So what I went and did was compiled a list of names that I've seen floating around. I've done, you know, scratch-the-surface type research, and it comes back that all these guys are pretty much at the top of the board at their respective positions. So it's not necessarily a top eight overall, but these are definitely top tier talented guys at their own position. And to start it off is one that Glenn has talked about on the YouTube channel. I'm pretty sure both of us have tweeted it out at this point, but Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa, he's pretty much the guy. I mean, if there's a Quentin Nelson equivalent, Along the offensive line, as far as a prospect, I think Linderbaum is the guy. We saw Joe Douglas trade up for an interior offensive lineman last year. So I think if given the chance, he would love to just stay at the same pick and take that without having to give up more future assets. And Linderbaum is like, you know, a staple at the middle of the offensive line, which in this offense is a very important position. Um, we have Aiden Hutchinson, the edge defender from Michigan. He was a Heisman finalist. He ended up coming in second in the votes behind the winner, Bryce Young from Alabama. He reminds me of the Bosa's. He kind of has that technicality as well as toughness to him. There's a video that was put out of him calling out the left tackle, like, you want me? And he bull rushed him over and got a pressure on the quarterback right away against Ohio State. So you love to see that. And then, Going into the wide receivers, I put down two speedster guys because I think offensively the Jets lack speed and explosiveness. They have Elijah Moore, and we've seen it with Braxton Berrios, but I think they need a little bit more speed to, you know, really give Zach Wilson targets as far as deep threats and in the middle of the field. So my two wide receiver names are Garrett Wilson from Ohio State and Jamison Williams from Alabama. Both of these guys are, you know, double-digit touchdown-a-year guys throughout college. Jamison Williams kind of jumped on the scene this year, but he he averages about 21 yards a catch, and he'll be going up against a cornerback who I want to get into next from Cincinnati named Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Um, they'll be going one-on-one in the semifinals of the, the college football playoffs on the 31st, so two and a half weeks from now. And I was listening to a McShay Kuyper podcast, and McShay said that while Jamison Williams is averaging over 20 yards a catch, Ahmad Gardner is only allowing 20 yards per game when targeted. So that's going to be a really intense matchup that you like to see. Gardner is a a press corner. He plays press corner about 90% of the time. And then going back over to offense, I have Jeremy Ruckert, another Ohio State pass catcher. He's a tight end. He's, you know, that middle-of-the-field safety blanket for Zach, you know, potentially for Zach Wilson. 
and I think he would be an immediate tight end one over Griffin, Croft, you know, Wesco, the guys that we've trotted out there recently. So keep your eye on Ruckert. Um, Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama, he has experience at guard in 2019. He played right tackle in 2020, and now this year he's been playing left tackle, and he's done a phenomenal job. And I think going back to the offensive tackle talk just before, while I don't necessarily think tackle is an immediate need for the Jets until they figure out the Mekhi Becton situation and the Morgan Moses situation because he's still on a one-year deal, I think Evan Neal should always be in the cards. And then my last name is a defender from Utah, he uh, would just bring a, a ton of speed to the middle of the defense. I know Mosley has a contract situation that they're going to have to handle, whether they keep him and, and, you know, accept the money or try to restructure. And I also like that Quincy Williams has been playing, you know, better, not as consistent, but better of late. So uh, the name that I have to add to that group would be Devin Lloyd uh, from Utah. He would obviously, you know, he would add the speed. He had a pick six in the Pac-12 championship game, uh, which, you know, he jumped the route really nice. He had, you know, real soft hands. And he was named the Pac-12 defensive player of the year. So, you know, he has that consistent season-long pedigree to really, you know, play at a high level like we've seen Mosley do with his double-digit tackle performances week in and week out. So those are my eight guys. I think they're all going to end up close to the top of my positional rankings when we get into it. But I just wanted to scratch the surface. You know, we're officially eliminated from the playoffs at three and 10. So it's nice to give people a look at what could be potentially in the future. And last, last year they picked a lot of guys that I talked about a lot on Twitter and on this Mm -hmm. podcast. So who knows, you could see these names wearing green and white in, you know, just five months from now. Absolutely, and and I'll tell you this right now: if either Williams or Wilson, one of those receivers, becomes available and comes into the squad, um, it's going to be hard not to be excited about you know what Zach Wilson and company can do. And as oh, far yeah. as the other you know few players that you had mentioned, um, you know these are some foundation pieces. You know, um, securing you know the center of our offensive line um, that would be huge for the future, and you know adding to the defensive line and getting another. Uh, formidable body for pass rush. Clearly, we know that we need that. And then, of course, you know, you kind of covered um, the other positions of need, you know, cornerback, tight end, obviously. Um, you know, we thought that we were in good standings, uh, you know, with the uh, with our uh, tight end situation. You know, clearly we can see that there's a lot of uh, improvement needed there. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, you know, the linebacker position, you know, kind of been up and down all year. And, uh, you know, the only person that's really been, been great as of late is C.J. Mosley. Um, you know, I think he had like 17 tackles this past weekend. You know, it's unfortunate that, you know, some of these things don't equate to, to you know, victories. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, uh, you know, all of these positions that you mentioned are, you know, huge needs, uh, you know, for this roster and for them to, to build something that's going to be competitive down the line. So uh, really like that. Um, I tweeted out, I think I got everybody that you had mentioned out there. Um, so it's official. You've started the conversation. 
And, um, you know, the fire um, in our bellies for Draft Talk will probably continue to grow um, each week moving forward. So, uh, Dylan, we've, uh, we've had one heck of a show here. And uh, we're rolling just a little bit over an hour right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that you and I have given our takes in, in regards to the Miami game. So um, let's do that, and, um, yeah, we can uh, we can wrap it up and call it a night here. So we're going up against Miami um, in their house. Um, this was a game that I was supposed to be going to, um, you know, but the way that everything has worked out with the family and, you know, getting closer to that holiday, you know, season, you know, hotels and air flight air flights and everything like that are just ridiculous. So um we'll not be doing the uh annual um you know family game down in Miami. Um little little upset, I'll be honest with you. Uh I, I wouldn't <laughs> use any excuse to get out of, you know, thirty and forty degree weather and snow and, and other things that New York mm-hmm. <laughs> um is so lovely to bring to us here. Um, you know, some of these mornings you know, I've been down in the teens, and it's just brutal um, to get up out of bed and to go into that. And just to go down to Florida just for a few days to see the family, go see a game and, you know, hang around in T-shirt and shorts just for, you know, just a little bit, you know, kind of gives you a little bit of a uh, – it lets you hit the reset button before you come back into uh, the great tundra that is New York during the wintertime. But, uh, yeah, so we're we're going up against – the Miami Dolphins, who are on a five-game winning streak, um, they've been playing pretty well. From what I remember, the, the the last game that we played against them, the Jets did not do very well against um, Gesicki, the tight end. They were having trouble with Miles Gaskin, who I believe is on one of the numerous players that has fallen onto the uh, COVID-19 list. Um, it's been crazy. Uh, I think Schefter just tweeted 75 players have uh, tested positive over the last two days. So NFL is taking some hits right now. I think you had mentioned it um, to me earlier uh, today that, you know, the Jets are deciding to go completely virtual as far as their meetings. Um, You know, they're trying to get ahead of this whole thing right now. They've had a couple players over the last few weeks that have tested positive. So Jets are trying to stay as healthy as possible, not only physically, but, um, you know, this pandemic is, is still a thing. Um, whether, you know, we, we like it or not, it's still here. So the Jets are trying to do their best to be smart about this. So the Dolphins seem to have a lot of players that are not going to be eligible uh, to play this weekend. Uh, That does give the Jets a little bit of a, uh, you know, competitive edge. I wouldn't say much, but uh, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about round two against the Dolphins here? I'm definitely optimistic in some aspects. I think the COVID situation, while it's very unfortunate to see it, you know, ravaging the NFL so late into this pandemic, they hit record numbers the past few days as far as, like, in-season totals. So that's never a good thing. And, yeah, the Dolphins have four players at least that I've been trying to keep track of this week go on the list. It was Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed, and Philip Lindsay, so all three of their running backs. They elevated Duke Johnson off the practice squad, so it looked like he and Patrick Laird, who's been a you know wow. a veteran there for a few years, they they look like they're the only running backs on the roster. 
And then Javon Holland was placed on the list as well, I believe, earlier today. And I think that has a huge impact on the game itself, more so than the running backs, because we know that the, the Dolphins are obviously going to run their RPO system. They, they beat us last time with it. They chunked us down the field over and over again. And I don't think it, it's necessarily the, the talent of the running back that, that makes that offense go. I think it's more so Tua and his ability to read the defense and understand when to hand it, when to throw it. So, but Javon Holland being out is definitely a big one. He was a, he was not a, a menace, so to speak, the last time they played, but you could definitely tell that his presence was felt, whether it was deep down the field as a middle third safety or down in the box blitzing. And I think he, like I said a few weeks ago when they were playing, he's Jamal Adams' light. So I think they'll definitely feel his, his loss more so than any of the others. And I think, like you said, against Kosicki, we have to have a good game plan. He went off for two touchdowns last week or the the last time they met. And I think they have to limit Jalen Waddell from running free, whether they press him at the line, bracket coverage with a safety over top. They just, they can't let him go deep because the Dolphins don't normally go deep, but they hit, uh, who is it, Mac Hollins for a 65-yarder against us in the game. So. Yep. They're, they're definitely capable of doing it. And I think if they can limit Jalen Waddle and Mike Gesicki, obviously it's very difficult to do. I think they will have a chance defensively with the way that they've been playing, you know, this last game and the second half of the Philadelphia game. And then offensively, it's kind of simple. Don't get into third and long. We've seen this defense, the cover zero they'll bring eight in the box and leave man-to-man coverage across the board and really not care because they're going to get home. So don't get into third and long where they can tee off on Wilson. Their secondary has always been good with Jones and Howard. Obviously Holland's down, but they still have a few other good pieces there. So they're very trusting in their secondary. So they're going to bring the heat. Joe Flacco was the quarterback that played them the last time. They didn't even play Zach Wilson. And I remember a lot of fans, possibly even, you know, beat reporters questioning Sala as far as were they protecting Zach Wilson with his PCL injury because that was his fourth missed game. And Flacco went out and played pretty well. He had a fumble, which was deemed not his fault. It was a protection issue. He threw for 291 and two touchdowns. I don't necessarily think Zach Wilson will have those exact stats. I think you should expect a slightly lesser day from Zach Wilson just based off what we've seen so far. But it's definitely a game that I'm optimistic about. And looking at the rest of the schedule, it's one of the the two winnable games left on the schedule that the Jets need to at least look competitive in or you really start to scratch your head. Yeah, uh, good points across the board there, Dylan. And, and you know, I'm going to bring this one up again. I think that the key factor for the Jets being able to be more competitive this weekend is that they're gaining a lot of guys that, you know, have been core pieces in this, this offense and, and in the defense as well. Um, both Michael Carters, I think, are going to give a boost to this team. You know, the running game has been up and down, and now you're getting Tevin Coleman and Michael Carter coming back. You know, Coleman provides that savvy zone, you know, style running, you know, attack where he can, you know, stretch plays and, and, you know, he finds a gap, shoots it, and and gets upfield. He's also 
probably the best, you know, receiver as far as the running backs are concerned. So, uh, you know, I would absolutely see, you know, I, I wouldn't even anticipate seeing Ty, Ty Johnson this weekend at all. Um, maybe a few snaps, you know, here and there. I, I'd absolutely um, expect to see Coleman and Carter uh, taking over the duties at running back, and I think that that can help. Mm-hmm. I think Tyler Croft coming back is going to be huge because, you know, he, he can provide some relief in, rece- in receiving, um, but clearly what he brings to the table is, you know, good pass and run black blocking protection. So I think that, you know, this is going to help the running game by getting Croft back. And uh, the other Michael Carter, um, who was playing exceptional, you know, being that he's a rookie coming into a, you know, starting nickelback role. And we were really skeptical early on in the season on who was going to take that job. And I wasn't sure how he was going to, you know, handle the duties as a nickel corner. Um, And I think that that's going to be a big boost for the defense. We're going to need as much help as we can get going up against Waddle and Gasicki. And, you know, uh, our safeties, you know, Riley and, and Ashton Davis will be tested, and they're going to have to play smart football um, to make sure that guys like Mac Holland doesn't, you know, get the best of us like he did in the previous matchup. So uh, if the Jets are going to pull out a win, it's going to be the players that they have gained, um, you know, that haven't been here for the last few weeks. I think that that's going to be a very, very key factor um, in the outcome of this game. Again, Miami's been running hot. They kind of hit a little bit of a you know, derailment here due to the uh, COVID situation. So that might give the Jets a little bit um, or increase the, the chances of them pulling out a win here. Um, you know, being that it's very difficult being on the road and, Jets have not historically played well over the last few years. Uh, I'll be honest, every game that I've attended to in the last four years in Miami, the Jets have not won. Um, But I'm not going to be attending this one. So maybe, you know, I'm, you know, the kibosh in this whole mix. And and maybe by me not being in the game, I I won't put that that little uh, juju voodoo on on the team or whatever. So, uh, you know, I, I really would like to see the Jets come, come away, and, and I'd like to see Zach Wilson improve, you know, if we see another week like we saw this past Sunday. Uh, you know, our – I wouldn't say faith, but maybe the uh, our expectations will obviously not be where we want them to be, and, and we will be becoming – doubtful in the future of Zach Wilson if he does not show some sort of progression over the next few weeks. And as you said, Miami and Jacksonville are coming up on the schedule. These are the, the games that the Jets should really, really, you know, come away with W's here. Um, they've done a good job finding ways to lose. Let's see if they can shock us and, and find a way to win this next weekend. Uh, you know, if I, if I were to be a guessing man, I think it's going to be pretty close. And uh, maybe it'll come down to our new kicker, uh, you know, having to uh, seal the game, you know. That would be a scenario, I think, that would be great for the team. And and this whole kicker situation, you know, Mm -hmm. put that narrative more in an upbeat situation. Maybe we find ourselves there. Um, But who knows? Um, You know, we've got a few more days to get this whole thing figured out. Hopefully the Jets continue to stay healthy and, uh, you know, this – 
pandemic does not continue to hinder the, the our team and other NFL teams because we are so close to the end of the season. Really, really unfortunate to see this kind of stuff at this point. But, uh, Dylan, I think this is a good time for us to wrap it up here. Um, this was a really, really fun show. I'm glad Green Bean got to join us. We got to, Definitely. you know, get a lot of uh, topics out there. And for everyone, please, you know, um, this George Fan conversation is not over um, by any means. You know, this is something that we're going to continue to talk about. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting how we were talking about, you know, like you said, he could be a good trade piece. Imagine if the Jets traded him earlier in the season, what would we be looking at right now? Um, knowing that, you know, Makai Becton is injured and, you know, thank God they didn't get rid of that guy and, and he's mm-hmm. been here for this team because he's done a quality job. So uh, we will see and we will continue this conversation next week, next Tuesday, 6.30 p.m., Jet Nation Radio. Everyone, don't forget to go to JetNation.com to sign up. Um, editorials coming out, videos, player news, you name it, the forum nonstop number one NFL forum in the NFL. So everybody, please get involved. Thank you to Miles Social, our sponsor, um, and everything that they do. Uh, please go check them out at M-I-L-E-S-O-C-I-A-L.com. That's milesocial.com. Uh, Dylan, any final words or thoughts before we sign off here? No, just looking for competitive football for the last month of the season and Hopefully we don't see many games like that to, you know, down the stretch because then you do have to start, you know, worrying if this is a a long-term issue or not at the quarterback position. But for now, remain patient, you know, just take the day as it comes. Sunday is not always going to be the best day for Jets fans, but if we look competitive in two or possibly three of these games, I think that's a good sign for the next you know, step of the rebuild and the 2022 season. Absolutely. All right. That's it for us here at JetNation.com. I'm Alex Morello signing off for Dylan Temmerman. Thank you everybody for coming in. Be well, stay safe. And as per usual, let's go Jets. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!